Section four of Starved Rock A Historical Sketch by Eaton G. Osman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Veronica Jenkins. Section four La Salle's Career and Tonti. La Salle's Career. Planting strange fruits and sunshine on the shore, I make some coast alluring, some lone isle, to distant men who must go there or die. Emerson. His earlier work. Robert Cavier Sue de La Salle, born in Rouen, 1643, educated for the priesthood, a Jesuit long enough to legally sacrifice his fortune because of the connection, came to America in 1666. With a small patrimony as capital, he set up as a feudal lord at a place called Lachine on lands granted him by the Sulmonary of Saint-Sulpice at the most dangerous spot perhaps in north america it is clear that la salle's purpose in coming to america was a greater one than to establish himself as landlord of a frightfully dangerous wilderness for we find him studying indian languages and indian nature both of which he came to understand thoroughly and completely his relations with the natives were always singularly happy the establishment of la salle at Lachine was a means only to a greater end. In 1669 he made his first expedition of discovery, and it is now generally conceded that in that year and in 1670 he explored the Ohio River at least to the falls at Louisville, and possibly to the Mississippi as well as the Illinois River. In 1674 the discovery of Joliet and Marquette, becoming known in Canada, disclosed the truth which La Salle had probably come to America to establish. If the latter were the fact, as seems probable, the current of his purpose was thereby changed. Since, therefore, the Spaniards had never taken possession of the Mississippi, it was La Salle's ambition now to profit by that oversight. And by reaching its mouth at the Gulf via the Illinois, he could take verbal possession at least of the valley, and by closing the mouth with a fort, and by placing others along the rivers from the lakes to the Gulf, he could hold it against all others and thus add the best part of a continent to the possessions of Louis the Fourteenth in America. Then the center of French dominion in North America could be transferred from the bleak and inhospitable Canada to the fertile fields of the fruitful valley, which by agriculture and trade would sooner or later become a mighty empire. It was a grand and eminently practicable conception, which not many years after La Salle's death became the policy of the French government with what success the history of the Franco-English struggle in America during the 18th century amply testifies. Returning to France in 1674, La Salle unfolded his great project at the court of Louis the Magnificent. In reward for his discovery of the Ohio, he was ennobled, and having the friendship of Frontenac, the governor of Canada, he obtained liberal grants of lands and exclusive trading privileges both on Lake Ontario and in the new lands of the Illinois country, which he was to explore and settle at his own individual expense, however. In the summer of 1679, therefore, he built on Lake Erie the Griffin, the first vessel except the Indian canoe to sail the Great Lakes. But while returning from Mackinac and Green Bay to Fort Frontenac with her first cargo of furs, the Griffin was lost with all on board. La Salle, meantime, had pushed on to the St. Joseph River, at the mouth of which he built Fort Miami. 
thus securing the key to the Illinois via the Kankakee. Here he heard rumors of the loss of the griffin, but his purpose never faltered. Crossing the portage to the headwaters of the Kankakee River, he launched eight canoes with thirty-five men, including the faithful Tonti, upon the Illinois, down which he paddled until he came to Starved Rock, or rather to the great Indian town La Ventum, on the plain north and west of the rock. The town was deserted, but La Salle opened the corn caches of the Indians and removed such as he needed, leaving abundant presents in payment. Then he pushed on to the present Peoria Lake, where he built another fort called Crevecourt, for he was now convinced by the non-arrival of men and supplies of the Griffin that his vessel was indeed lost. Here he put another boat on the stocks, in which he purposed to sail to the mouth of the Mississippi, and then, leaving Taunty, with fifteen of his men to complete the ship, he started for Canada to repair his loss. It was on this return journey, depressed by his loss and fearful for the future, that early in March, 1680, he a second time reached the Illinois town Lavantum, now buried in the desolation of very early spring. La Salle's men saw buffalo waiting in the snow, and they killed one of them. On the following day, while the hunters were smoking the meat of the buffalo, La Salle went out to reconnoiter, and presently met three Indians, one of whom proved to be Chassagoac, the principal chief of the Illinois. The interview with the latter was so favorable that the chief at its close promised to be friend Tonti at Crevecourt. After several days spent at the deserted town, La Salle prepared to resume his journey, says Parkman. Before his departure, his attention was attracted to the remarkable cliff of yellow sandstone, now called Starved Rock, a mile or more above the village, a natural fortress which a score of resolute white men might make good against a host of savages, and, when he arrived at Fort Miami and found two of his men there waiting for him, he sent by them to Taunty an order to examine it and make it his stronghold in case of need. The rock was indeed admirably adapted for La Salle's purpose. It commanded the river, the highway for all travel from the lakes to the gulf, and in addition to being in the midst of a fertile country, it overlooked the great town which would be the center of an immense Indian traffic. Tonti. Hear ye not the shrill piping screams on the air? Up, braves, for the conflict prepare ye, prepare. Aroused from the canebrake far south by your drum, with beaks wet for carnage the battle-birds come. On the forehead of earth strikes the sun in his might. O oh, jibe me with glances as searching as light, In the front of the onslaught to single each crest, Till my hatchet grows red on their bravest and best. Indian War Song The Iroquois Raid La Salle had scarcely bade farewell to Tonti at Crevecourt When eight of the men with the latter, Discouraged by the news brought by La Salle's messengers to Tonti from Fort Miami, of the loss of the griffin, mutinied, and having plundered the fort and destroyed the ship, deserted while Tonti was examining starved rock in accordance with La Salle's order. Having sent four men by different routes to Canada to inform La Salle of his latest disaster, Tonti was left at the rock with but five white companions, two of whom were member and reward Ricolet friars. 
for greater show of confidence this little band of la salle's faithful followers took up their residence with the indians hoping to maintain themselves until la salle's return here they spent the opening spring and summer the illinois among whom they dwelt were an aggregation of distinct though kindred tribes the kaskaskias the peorias the cahokias the tamaroas the moingona and others and were reputed a cowardly and rather contemptible race of indians the summer had passed uneventfully and for the frenchmen time doubtless hung heavy on their hands for nothing can surpass the vacant monotony of an indian town where there is neither hunting nor war nor feasts nor dancing nor gambling to beguile the lagging hours and so out of the interminable monotony came the tenth of september when suddenly the village was awakened from its lethargy as by the crash of a thunderbolt an army of iroquois from new york had been approaching to attack them on the eleventh the attack came tonti and his few men who then were suspected as allies of the iroquois and had the day before barely escaped with their lives from the infuriated illinois joined with the latter who were greatly outnumbered by the iroquois the scene of the struggle was the prairie just at the edge of the woods bordering the big vermilion river near its mouth the illinois had crossed the river now bearing their name and had attacked the enemy where tonti desirous at all hazards for the sake of la salle's interests of preserving peace or at least of saving the illinois from their almost certain massacre attempted to mediate and at infinite personal risk did obtain a cessation of the battle and a promise from the iroquois who were at peace nominally at least with the french to abandon their purpose the iroquois however soon repented and as quickly violated all their promises tonti and his followers were compelled to leave the village and that part of the country while the iroquois balked of their living prey wreaked their fury on the illinois dead they dug up the graves they threw down the scaffolds some of the bodies they burned some they threw to the dogs some it is affirmed they ate the illinois had escaped down the river by keeping together as a compact mass until they reached its mouth then some crossed the mississippi to the western side others continued on down the river while the tamaroas remaining near the mouth of the illinois were destroyed by the iroquois la salle with four men reached the scene on his return from canada in november but no saluting whoop greeted their ears from the village as they had expected they passed starved rock but as la salle ascended its lofty top he saw no palisades no cabins no sign of human hand and still its primeval crest of forest overhung the gliding river the town was desolate they landed before them lay a plain once swarming with wild human life now a waste of devastation and death near at hand was the burial ground of the village the travelers sickened with horror as they entered its revolting precincts every grave had been rifled a hyena warfare had been waged against the dead la salle knew the work of the iroquois la salle was consumed with alarm for the fate of tonti but finding no trace of white men among the remains he hoped to find him still alive and in that hope pushed on to the mouth of the illinois trusting to get some clue to his fate or his whereabouts at the mouth of the river he abandoned the trail and returned to fort miami where he spent the winter while tonti and his companions after most fearful suffering found a refuge at green bay 
End of section four. Recorded by Veronica Jenkins in Ottawa, Illinois.